Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this April 2012 episode of the podcast, we're going to be celebrating the release of the 1940 U.S. Federal Census. And I've got some great tips, tools, products, and websites for you to help you make the most of it. So first off, we'll be stopping by the Genealogy Insider blog and talking with Managing Editor Diane Haddad about what's new in the world of genealogy, and we're going to be continuing straight through into our Top Tips segment with Diane, devoting all of our time to her reporting on the release of the 1940 census. And then in our 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, we'll take a look at archives.com, a website that has been front and center in making the 1940 census digital images available for free online to the public. Amy Johnson Crow, Genealogical Content Manager at Archives, will be here to tell us all about it. Then in our Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Family Tree Magazine publisher Allison Dolan is going to be here to give us some tips for using all of the available census records from the Family Tree University on-demand webinar called Online Census Secrets. Carrie Scott will be back with another edition of the Social Media Minute, explaining the role that social media has been playing in the 1940 census release. And finally, we'll check back in with Allison at the publisher's desk, and she's going to have some great resources for us, as always. So there's a lot to cover. Let's get to it. Our first stop is the Genealogy News with Diane Haddad. Well, it's April, and we are all talking about the release of the 1940 census. And joining us now to discuss this very significant event as part of our News from the Blogosphere segment and our Top Tips segment is Managing Editor Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. Well, Diane, it seems like we've been waiting forever for the release of the 1940 census. Um Let's start out by having you refresh our listeners on how it was decided that April 2nd, 2012 was going to be the official release date of the 1940 federal population census records by the National Archives. Sure. Um, Census records are protected by law for 72 years after the census was taken. So um, it's 72 years after 1940, and April 1st was actually the official census day for the 1940 census, but because that was a Sunday and the National Archives is not open on Sunday, they pushed it to April 2nd. So we had 24 more hours to be patient. (laughs) I thought it showed a lot of restraint on all of our parts. Yes, it did. <laughs> so there is this 72-year rule, and of course it's it's different with different countries. I know in Great Britain they have to wait even longer, but we go 72 years, and, and there's a lot of history on the back of that. But the point is, it's here. And tell us about, I know there are several different companies involved in kind of bringing these images online to the public. Well, I know Ancestry.com is um, uploading these images. What other companies do you know of that are involved in, in doing that on their own sites? We've got MyHeritage.com. Uh, that's the company that's based in Israel, and they recently purchased Family Link, which um, is Utah-based. So, so my heritage is now expanding into the U.S. genealogy records market. So they'll be adding other records in addition to the census, um, and also Bright Solids website, FindMyPast.com, will be adding census records. I haven't found any records on the site right now, though. Ah, uh, okay, and and that that was part of their kind of entrance into the U.S. market in terms of genealogical records. 
So at least there's lots of different options there. Yes. So where would you suggest that people go first to try to access the digitized pages? Do you think we should start with the National Archives website? Well, I guess it depends what websites have uploaded the records for the state that you need. The National Archives website, as people probably realize, has been working really slowly. On launch day, it didn't work at all for most people. Right. So, um, and it's still functioning slowly for a lot of people. I actually was able to find um, some people really, really early in the morning. So if the web, if the records that you need are not on another site, then you'll want to use the National Archives website. And that's a good point, that they're not going to be all instantly on at the same time. They're literally loading state by state, aren't they? Right. And Ancestry.com actually does have quite a few states right now. Um, They're almost done with California. They've got Delaware, Washington, D.C., American Territories, um, Indiana, pretty populous state there, Ohio, Mm -hmm. Maine, Nevada. um, I see Texas, Virginia. So Pennsylvania, they have a lot of states right now. Family Search has Colorado, Delaware, Kansas, Oregon, and Virginia. And then My Heritage, they have California too, Illinois, uh, Massachusetts, Maine, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Texas, and Virginia. And I'm posting these and updating the information on our blog. And most of the companies seem to be updating people on their Facebook pages. Terrific. And of course, you know, by the time folks are listening to this, there'll be even more out yes. there. Um, we don't know when it'll be finished, but <clears throat> we do know that they're all working uh, very it diligently. It seems to be happening quickly. Yeah, it does. Now explain to us what an enumeration district is and why we need to know what the enumeration district is for an ancestor before we can kind of realistically look for them in the records. The enumeration district is a geographic area that one census taker would cover. So um, what the, the Census Bureau did was look at a map of an area and then they would divide it into sections and each enumerator would cover you know this section and that section. So depending on how populous an area was, it might have a lot of enumeration districts or it might have only a few. And the reason that people need to know the enumeration district where their ancestor lived is because the census is not yet indexed by name. So you can't go type in a name and come up with some matches. You have to find the records for the area where your ancestor lived and then just start reading them and page through. Exactly. Now, of course, you're bringing up indexing, which is going to really unleash the census for everybody once it is indexed. How's that project coming along, and um, how long do you think it's going to take? I know they're working with volunteers, aren't they? Right. Well, Family Search is. Family Search is partnering with Archives.com and Bright Solid, and they have the 1940 Census Community Project, which is recruiting volunteers to do the indexing to create a free index to all the census records across the United States. So because it's volunteer-based, there's you don't really know how fast that's going to happen. They're, they're aiming to do it all in 2012, which would just be wonderful. And I know I've seen on Facebook people are already starting to index those records. So well, that's yeah, and that's amazing because yeah. when I was looking at the the numbers, I think just the first day wasn't it like something like thirty eight million hits on people trying to get into the census right on uh, the National Archives site. Yeah, so you can imagine what the index would do oh, for that. Gosh, yeah. Now, is Ancestry creating their own? Are they um, hiring folks out to to 
actually put that together for them? Do you think that will happen at a different pace? They are. Ancestry.com has hired an indexing company. I believe it's offshore. And um, it's a company that specializes in creating indexes like this. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then what I understand about Ancestry.com's index is that they'll release a basic name index early for every state. So, um, in a shorter amount of time than other indexes might be available, you'll be able to type in a name and a state and come up with some matches. And then they are going to release a more advanced index that has all the fields that were recorded in the census, so the age, the relationship to the head of household, that kind of stuff, that will be advanced as it's completed later on. I can imagine that would be a real advantage to have two different indexes out there. Right. Well, and there actually will be three because MyHeritage is creating another index. Oh, they're they're doing their own. Yeah, they're contracting with yet a different company to create the index. So if you don't find your ancestor in one search engine down the road, you might be able to go to another one. Definitely. And maybe somebody picked up on the name correctly. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, well, okay, I have to ask you, who was the first person that you went and searched for when it came online? Well, I uh, looked for the enumeration district number for just one of my families. <laughs> and those were the first people that I found early this morning. And since I did have the enumeration district, it was actually pretty easy um, on the National Archives website. They have a mechanism for helping you to to figure out which one is the correct enumeration district. I know when I went on there, it even had it down to the street name, and I happened to know the street name of my grandmother, so I could look it up that way. Is that, is that what you're referring to? Right. Um, well, actually, I had used the one-step website um, enumeration district finder that Steve Morse did. I used that to determine this um, enumeration district for my Cleveland ancestors. But you can, um, as you did, if you know about where somebody lived, there is a way to narrow down your search to a state, a county, and a city, and sometimes even a street name. And then you can, you'll come up with a certain number of um, enumeration districts that you can search through one by one. Wonderful. Now, of course, I know you've had a chance and some successes already finding people online. It's going to be a while till the index gets here. Do you have any tips for our listeners, um, that they, things they should be keeping in mind as they're trying to browse through the 1940 census? I do. If you can narrow down the enumeration district, that is really helpful. When I was looking for my rural Indiana ancestors, I didn't have the enumeration district, and I was able to find them just by looking at a map of that district because I knew where they lived, so I kind of traced it on the map and then saw where um, that enumeration district was. So I didn't need to find it for those people. But when I was looking for my ancestors in Cincinnati and I didn't have the enumeration district, it was very densely populated, and I could find them on the enumeration district map, but I couldn't tell from looking at the map what the right ED number was. Mm -hmm. So I still had to go use the one-step ED finder in order to um, determine what it was. And then I found them pretty easily. Great. And we'll have a link to that uh, in the show notes so that people can also use Steve Morse's uh, tool. It's a great tool. I know one of the things that I noticed very early on, and in fact heard from one of our listeners um, who was suggesting, as you're downloading images, when you get lucky and you find one, 
to put the ED number in the name of the file that you're saving. Um, he was saying that when he downloaded a couple, he went back and looked at them and realized they had not completely downloaded. There was a, a glitch, I guess, in all that traffic that was going on. And he ended up with half a page, and he didn't know anymore what the ED oh, number was. Um, because, of course, he thought it would be on the page. So I think that's a great tip to that put is. the surname in the file, um, the naming of the file, and, and then that having that ED number, mm-hmm. something, even a page number, so that you know exactly where to head back uh, if you need to go and retrieve that information. And it's always right. smart to sort to set our sources, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And if you don't know exactly what the ED number is before you search and say you're looking through several enumeration districts, keep a list of which ones you've already looked through so you don't end up repeating that search because it can be kind of tedious. It can. You can get a little dizzy, a little turned around mm-hmm. after a while. Yeah, yeah I strain. <laughs> Look away from the computer every once in a while. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, those are good tips. Um, it'll be exciting to hear what people are finding. I'm already seeing some people posting on Facebook. And I saw that even the National Archives website had a way for people to share their finds, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. Yes, it's it's a lot of fun to go on and see what people are finding and to tell people what you find. Everybody gets so excited about it. Exactly. We'll cheer each other on. Well, wonderful. Okay, well, be sure and follow the Genealogy Insider blog because Diane is uh, covering the 1940 census progression step-by-step as it goes along, and that's the place to learn about uh, what you can find and, and when your state becomes available. Diane, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. You're welcome. Well, in this 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Family History, we are going to pick a website that uh, is focused on the census as well as other genealogical records, and that's archives.com. And here to tell us more about it is Amy Johnson Crow. She's the genealogical content manager at archives.com. Hi, Amy. Hi, Lisa. Well, it's great to have you on. I think this is our first time having you here on the show, and it's kind of uh, exciting. I I was curious, how long have you been with Archives.com as their genealogical content manager? I've been with the company since last November, so just just a few months. Great. Well, it's an exciting time to get involved because I know that uh, they are really moving forward in the genealogical scene. And, and of course, now we have the 1940 census. And I know that uh, your company has been very involved in that. But let's start from kind of take a step back and do a quick overview for our listeners, uh, what they will find, what you focus on there at archives.com. Well, at archives.com, our whole mission is to make family history research easy and affordable. Uh, we do have collections from uh, from across the world, but we do focus mainly on U.S. records. Uh, a lot of 20th century records, uh, which can which can be very very useful. I know you know sometimes people you know they're they're always wanting you know further and further further back, but sometimes you really need something in the 20th century. And of course, you know with the the 1940 census, we're seeing how popular that is. But again, really focusing on U.S. collections and really trying to get records that are, are going to be the most meaningful to people. We have the complete U.S. Census, including uh, indexes and images, not yet for 1940, obviously, but from 1790 to, to 1930, we do have the complete U.S. Census, including images and the index. So that's, that's a great resource just in and of itself. 
but also looking at vital records from across the United States, vital records, cemetery records, military records, just you know, all those wonderful records that, that you need when you're researching your family tree. Right. Now, uh, boy, there are so many collections to choose from. It's it's amazing. Um, you have to make those decisions about what you're going to focus on. Does archives.com get these collections and scan them? Do you partner with other companies? How do these records make their way to the website? A, a little bit of each. We, we have other companies that we partner with. Um, we were very fortunate to partner with Family Search. On some collections, there are archives across the United States that that we're partnering with and and looking at both databases that they've already collected that they are willing to let us share. We have a a very successful partnership with the Hayes Presidential Library in Northern Ohio where where they've created this wonderful obituary database and they've allowed us to also host it on our website so so that our members can access that information, and then contact the the Hayes Library then for an actual copy of the obituary. So that's worked out very, very well. But we're also bringing on unique content, going out and digitizing both microfilm and hard copy records. Uh, So it's it's a little bit of everything of, of where this data comes from. Right. Now, when we get to archives.com, um, I guess one of the questions we have is, do we need to sign up initially to use it on a free basis? And, and it, do you have memberships? How, does it, how is it structured that way? We do, we do have memberships, uh, but we do also have a seven-day money-back guaranteed free trial. So you can go and, and create an account for free, you know, take a test drive for seven days, go in and, and play with it. Because we want to make sure that, that you're satisfied with, with what we have. Um, about, at last count I saw, was 2.1 billion records. So chances are you're going to find something on our site. Uh, our annual subscription is $39.95 a year. So Great. for $40... Essentially, yeah, it's it's access, and and that's full access to the site. I mean, that's everything we have. That's that's including access to all of the records, anything that's been digitized. You know, being able to see the images. You can also go in and create a family tree, uh, connect records to that. You can share it with your family members, uh, create sort of a digital scrapbook on on your different pages. So. Again, that thirty nine ninety five a year covers all of that. A very affordable price to to be able to get in and spend a year digging into your family history and, and hopefully unearthing some records you haven't seen before. Now I know that, that that's our goal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's our goal. Yeah. So I know that uh, your name, the Archives, has been popping up because you are working with another company called Archives, but it's the National yes. Archives. And uh, tell us about the partnership specifically uh, in respect to the 1940 federal census. Well, last year, last summer, I believe, the National Archives had issued a request for proposals for companies to design and host the website for the 1940 census. And that was to host all of the images, to design the website, host the website, um, create the underlying database to allow people to do searches uh, based on location so that they could plug in, hey, I'm looking for, you know, Perry County, Ohio, and be able to, to get back the correct set of images. And we were chosen to uh, to be the company to do that for them. And ever since we were selected, it, it's been nonstop. And we had the release just this past Monday, just on April 2nd. 
Exactly. Now, when yeah. they want to um, access those records, we know that, that the indexes are not yet available. Do they go to archives.com or do we have another unique website address? Well, you are correct. There is not an index yet. Archives.com is also part of the 1940 uh, community project to index the 1940 census. So we've partnered with FamilySearch and with BrightSolid and with um, ProQuest to bring on the, the project so that people can come in, volunteer, and, and begin indexing this huge amount of, of records, all uh, 132 million people <laughs> that are enumerated in the 1940 census. So, uh, so the images right now all of them, the entire United States is on the National Archives website, which is 1940census.archives.gov, that's .gov, um, but the index as it's being created is over on, on the uh, community project side, which is the1940census.com. So people can go there and sign up and, and start indexing. Great. So they can really get involved and be part of the process of getting that index online, so which really makes it so much more searchable. I imagine that uh, right now you yeah. kind of need to know where somebody might have been and figure out the enumeration district before you can really dig in there. Right. And that's something that, that we've worked very closely with the National Archives with the data that they have in terms of, um, because they had already scanned all 7,000 rolls of microfilm so they had already digitized it, and they had already connected which images belonged to which enumeration districts. Then we were also fortunate uh, that we could work out an agreement with Steve Morse to be able to use his enumeration district finder to be able to integrate that into the 1940 census website to make it easier for people to find that enumeration district so that they can go look for their ancestors. Yeah, absolutely. And we will have links to both of the websites that you're talking about, uh, the one where the community is working together to index, and of course, where the images are hosted right now that you're assisting with them with at the National Archives. And that way, uh, those of you listening can uh, get started, use Steve Morse's tool to locate that enumeration district and then get into those records and find the folks from the 1940 census. It's It's been fun to watch people making discoveries and posting them on Facebook. And there's just a lot of excitement around it, isn't there? Oh, there sure is. And I've been following the, the Twitter feeds and, and whatnot. And like you say, just seeing the excitement, seeing the, uh, the, the connections that people are making. I was fortunate yesterday. I had a couple of, of spare minutes, and I went and looked for my dad. And I, I found him, you know, fortunately, he remembered where he and my grandparents were living in 1940. <laughs> and I, I went and found them. And I was just talking to him over the phone. I haven't even shown him the, the census page yet. But I was just reading off some of the names of, of their neighbors. And he just, it, it was like a trip down memory lane. It oh, was yeah. so neat. It was, you know, stories that I'd never heard before. So I'm really looking forward to actually printing it off and, and taking it over and really sitting down and having having a good talk with, with both of my parents and, and get a trip down memory lane with them. 
It's a real treat. It's one of the rare times we actually get to talk with the people listed in the records when we have the records in our hand. That's really a, a neat aspect of this entire release of the 1940 census. Well, Amy, wonderful um, to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for kind of giving us a quick tour of archives.com and, of course, um, of your project on the 1940 census. I uh, hope to have you back again. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, most genealogists know that finding data in the U.S. federal census is not as easy as simply typing in the name. To successfully trace your ancestors, you need to know where to look and how to make the most of census websites. So in today's Family Tree University Crash Course segment, our own Allison Dolan will share a few of her own secrets for getting the most from the U.S. federal census from the on-demand webinar. It's called Online Census Secrets. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Oh, we could all use some secrets. We're all thinking about the census with the 1940 census coming online. But it reminds us that there are all the different censuses that we've looked at before. And um, maybe, you know, it's interesting. You go back and you look and you think, maybe I didn't quite pick up everything that there was to get. What are some of the uh, secrets that you shared with everybody in the uh, online webinar? Well, this is a really fun webinar to do, and in part because we invited the live participants to submit their brick wall census ancestor in ah. advance, and were able to demonstrate some of the techniques on people's actual ancestors. So that was really fun. And like any genealogist, I love a challenge. <laughs> so um, when people send in their uh, their ancestors, I um, really got to have a lot of fun trying to look people up. And I think I made a few people pretty happy. Um, but the the I think the larger point to be made is there's lots to be learned from seeing how um, you look for people in the census and one size doesn't necessarily fit all, but there are some good strategies to use. And I think one of the most important things that um, I, I tend to run into is really understanding what's in the census and who you can find in which censuses. Um, one of the brick walls that a lot of people submitted was kind of the same. They were looking for an ancestor who they wanted to find this ancestor as a child in the 19 or 18 um, 30 or 1820 or 1840 census and they didn't know who the parents were well when you're familiar with the census you know that in those pre-1850 censuses the only people who were named were the heads of household and so without knowing who the head of household would have been you really have no chance of being able to find that person and I think that's something that we sometimes forget we get so focused in putting names into search engines and um, on the various census websites and um, trying to look for an individual that we kind of forget to step back and think about okay could I actually find this person or should I be searching for somebody different that's another tip that I think is really helpful is, um, you know, sometimes you can search for a person and not find them, but if you find a different person that would be in that same household, they're sometimes easy, more easy to find. One of the examples that I demonstrated was a guy who had a really common name. It was a gray. And the uh, wife's name was a little less common. She was Bertha Gray instead of James Gray was the husband. Well, mm. you can imagine how many James Grays come <laughs> up when you search, um, but Bertha was a little less common, and I was able to find her more easily. 
That's a great point. It's when when everything looks the same, you look for that one thing that's a little unique. And and like you say, maybe it's not the person that you were focused on, but it's somebody over to the side who's connected to them. That's a great tip. Yeah, and in fact, um, you also have to be open to possibilities, which I think is something that's helpful, too. Things are not always as you expect. Um, the records of your family won't necessarily look the way you expect in terms of the makeup of a household. So be prepared for the possibility that maybe your ancestor wasn't living with who you thought he or she was. That Gray family was a perfect example because it turned out that um, you know there were different people in the household than the person necessarily thought, and so um, you know that that probably ended up being a stumbling block. Yeah, a lot of times we find um, the older mother or father living with one of the kids, or I remember, I'll, I'll never forget, gosh, looking for a great-grandfather, that it was just totally stumping me, and it turned out he was living as the nephew of his uncle, and just down the road from his father, and it was interesting because if I was putting in son as the relationship, I wasn't getting him. So making that assumption actually was kind of shooting me in the foot. <laughs> yeah, so definitely being open to possibilities help. Yeah. You never know. Your ancestor might be listed under the wrong name entirely. I've run into that problem. And, you know, I just had to assume it was him based on the other facts about the family matching up to what I knew. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, no, so this webinar, what was it, about an hour long? And you had some kind of question and answer. So yes. we may be hearing some things in there that sound just like what we're dealing with. Yeah, there's also a lot of handouts that are included with this webinar that are really helpful. One of them is a breakdown of different census websites and which sites have which census years and their index coverage for the various years because some of the sites have every name indexes to all of the records like Ancestry.com and Archives.com. But other sites don't have full coverage. Maybe their indexes only cover heads of household or the index for a particular year isn't complete. So knowing which sites have what can be very helpful, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that sounds terrific. Okay, well, this is the online Census Secrets on-demand webinar, and uh, we will have a link in the show notes so that you can locate that in Shop Family Tree. Boy, lots of great tips. And you've shared some right here today that we can start using right away. Fantastic. Oh, thanks so much, Allison. Thank you, Lisa. And happy census searching to all of our listeners. Hi, everyone. This is Carrie Scott, the social media expert at Family Tree Magazine. You probably already know that most of your favorite genealogy-related companies have a social media presence, but you may not know why it's a good idea to follow them. I'll tell you why in this edition of the Social Media Minute. Social media has really changed the way companies interact with customers. You can now get information real-time from the companies you do business with, and that can be valuable in a variety of circumstances. For example, when the 1940 census was released earlier this month, we saw the National Archives, FamilySearch, and other companies keeping customers updated via their Twitter and Facebook accounts as to what states were available and what was being done to address access issues. That's a much faster way to get information than clicking over and over to click refresh or waiting for an email update. Of course, we were able to share and retweet that information to our own followers, so they were kept up to date as well. Some companies offer special deals to their social media followers. For example, Family Tree Magazine recently hit 8,000 friends on Facebook. 
We were excited about this, and we decided to offer a special coupon code that was only available to our Facebook friends. If you weren't one of them, you probably missed it. We're planning similar exclusives for our Twitter and Google Plus friends. It's also kind of fun to be friends with someone who works at your favorite genealogy companies. We've really enjoyed being able to share sketches of future magazine covers, talk about the latest Who Do You Think You Are episode, and bounce ideas around with our readers and Family Tree University students. It's a great way to give direct input to the companies you work with and get behind-the-scenes looks at what goes on there. Check out our podcast show notes for more information, including links to our Facebook, Twitter, and new Google Plus pages. As we wrap up the April 2012 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, let's check in at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Gosh, it's been a really busy time of year. It seems like the uh, 1940 census has just enveloped all of us. But I know that you've been busy with lots of things, many of them census related. Um, tell us what you've been up to lately. Well, of course, we've been as obsessed with the census hoopla as everybody else. Um, So we did put together some special products um, in anticipation of the census release and um, love to tell everybody about them. Uh, The first one is a new book that we released um, just in March, and it's called The Genealogist Census Pocket Reference. It is, in fact, small enough to fit in your pocket. It's just four inches by six inches. And so it's really handy for sticking in your purse or in your pocket um, to take with you, um, you know, when you're out at the library or even when you're just sitting um, at your computer looking at the census records, you can pull that out and quickly reference important information that you need to know. It does include some information about 1940. Obviously, we did publish it before the the records were released, so it, it, it really covers the whole census, all of the U.S. records that are available, not just 1940. So is it going to kind of quickly tell us, hey, if we're looking at the 1840 census, we will or we won't see names or here are the questions, that kind of thing? Exactly. Okay. There are some maps, too, of what territories were covered. Like, you know, if, sometimes we forget, oh, the United States included these places in right. 1840 or 1880, you know, um, kind of take those things for granted. So you can get those kinds of um, facts and information, look those up quickly, as well as there's some search tips for the various websites that you can find census records on, because obviously the search capabilities differ a little bit from site to site and just all kinds of those useful little tidbits and facts that oh, help great. speed up your search. So the pocket reference will be at the Shop Family Tree website? It sure will. Great. Now, I know also you have an ultimate collection that's going to take advantage of, of the census mania. What, what do you got there? <laughs> Absolutely. And well, I think, you know, it's important for everyone that, um, you know, the 1940 census, this release is just the beginning. And mm-hmm. there are going to be some people that won't know necessarily the right enumeration district to be able to take advantage of that right away. And so this is a great time, though, to really get familiar with the rest of the census and take this opportunity to find those ancestors that you never did locate in earlier years. And the Ultimate Census Research Collection really will help you do that. Um, it includes a uh, independent study course that um, talks all about the U.S. Census, and it includes a recording of a webinar that we did last month called Online Census Secrets. We talked about that in our Family Tree University crash course segment. 
Um, also, there's another video course and a CV packed with lots of great articles with strategies and ideas for using the census. Oh, that's great. Well, and it's true. I mean, even if we don't have all the 1940 available to us yet, I mean, that's kind of in progress. Um, it does remind us, gosh, it, maybe we need a refresher <laughs> on some of this thing. And also, there's always, I find when I go back through and just kind of go step by step through a record collection, I realize, oh, that's right, I've kind of forgotten about that part, or I've overlooked that. And, and this is a chance to make sure you're getting everything, right? Absolutely, because there's so much to find and so many clues that that, um, you know, oftentimes when you go back and look again, you may realize, oh, I didn't know about this family or that person mm -hmm. when I initially looked at this record because it was the first one that I looked at when right. I was researching this family. And you realize there's new connections and additional clues to mine um, when you go back and look again. Oh, terrific. Okay, well, we'll have links to all of those great deals in the show notes. Anything else for us? Well, I also want to let people know we do have a special deal happening on our Finding Ancestors in the U.S. Census course at Family Tree University. In honor of the 1940 census release, we are discounting that class to be $39.99 um, for the session that starts on April 30th only. And it's also going to include an ebook download of our census pocket reference book. So that's a really great deal. And if you're as caught up in all of this census mania as we are, it's a great opportunity to um, be able to enhance your skills and take part in all of the research um, surrounding the census at an excellent price. Yeah, absolutely. And that's right around the corner. Okay, that class starts on April 30th. So to get the discount, head to the show notes. You'll find um, the link there. And uh, boy, everybody's going to be totally up to speed when it comes to the census. Thanks so much, Allison. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for joining me for this April 2012 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure and visit the Genealogy Insider blog for all the latest genealogy news on a daily basis. You'll find it at blog.familytreemagazine.com slash insider. Next, go to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast to find the show notes for this episode, which will include information and website links for everything that we covered on today's episode, including links to archive.com, uh, the online census secret on-demand webinar, and everything else that we talked about in the episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, and Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. Both of those shows are also available free through iTunes. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. 